This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher. This is the show where I talk to the people behind the productivity. And this week, I'm excited to bring you a conversation I had with my friend, Stephen Worley. Stephen runs the site Life Skills That Matter. And in this conversation, he and I talk a lot about some of the struggles that we have when we work from home or work remotely or work on our own and how, you know, having accountability, having groups to work in, spaces to go to, how the internet is like a utility these days. And when that goes out, you know, it's like not having heat or not having electricity and the shifting changes of what careers what careers used to look like and what they look like now and what they're going to look like moving forward. There is a ton of resources in this podcast for remote workers or people who work remotely sometimes, but not all the time. Different things to consider, different things to think about from Stephen and I, who are in the trenches of that work. I know you're going to enjoy this episode, so I will get out of the way and say, enjoy this conversation with Stephen Worley. All right. This week, it is my privilege to welcome to the show, Stephen Worley. Stephen, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited. This is a thrill. I've been listening to following you for a long time now, and it's like, awesome. I can't believe I'm on your podcast. <laughs> well, I've been on your podcast, so you know it only makes we sense. We had a that, great conversation over there. Yes, yeah. And then you come, you it makes sense for you to come on my podcast. And and what's even more fun for me is the fact that like you, I wanted to say you know your stuff, but that's not really it. It's that you're thinking about the things that I'm thinking about, and vice versa, uh, which was illustrated obviously by the fact that I was like, oh crap. This is the show. Let's hit record as we were having our, you know, pre-recording conversation, which was actually getting pretty fascinating. So I almost want to retread that. But before we do that, I want to say like what you're doing is one, you've got a podcast. You've also got a website. It's called Life Skills That Matter. And we're going to talk about work and we're going to talk about, you know, self-management and all these things. But give me a little bit of a background here on what it is you're doing and your goals over at your site and your podcast. So a friend of mine once asked me, Stephen, why are you starting this business? You know, and I said, because when I got laid off 17 years ago on election day, it felt super lonely. I also knew that I could no longer work the way the way that I was taught. So I've been on this journey and it's finally culminating into this business where I see work fundamentally changing in the next decade. And I'm not and I'm not being an alarmist. I'm not this is my vision for work. This is just what's happening. As I like to say, Eric, if I if I saw that your house was on fire, would you want me to tell you? <laughs> right. Well, well, I'm telling you, everybody, your house is on fire. <laughs> yes, it's been burning for a while now, in fact. <laughs> right. So uh, I, I just think like the best way and, and everybody's very scared of this, right? There's all kinds of surveys. That Americans are very concerned about what's about to happen. But the more we can inform ourselves, we can come up with a plan. You know, that's just how br- our brains work. Like, we can calm ourselves down. Like, information is power, right? We've heard that 3,000 times in our lives. So the more we can understand what's going on with work, the more we can all help each other prepare for it. And that's what I'm trying to do in this business is prepare people for the future of work, which I happen to believe is going to be self-management. You're going to, no matter if you're a W2, a 1099 or whatever form of work we come up with, you're going to have to manage yourself more than ever before. And as I like to say, Eric, if you got to manage yourself, you might as well own yourself. Yeah, exactly. And and self-management, honestly, is, I don't know if you know this, but that was the kind of key or centralized idea for why I started my show way back in... Oh gosh, it's been almost six years now that I've been doing this podcast. And I was, wow. I was, yeah, I was doing a show with Cliff Ravenscraft. It wasn't called Podcast Answer Man. It was called Social Media Serenity. That's right. <laughs> gosh, I can't believe I forgot that. Um, and it was all about doing social media, but not letting it go crazy, take over your life, et cetera. And I would do these, we would basically, I co-hosted. Well, he simplified his business model and was stripping down and doing fewer shows. 
not fewer episodes, but fewer overall shows so he could focus in on the ones he wanted to, which was a great move. I completely understood it, respected the decision, and thought to myself, well, now what am I going to do? Not in a bad way, because I mean, I wasn't getting paid or anything from being the co-host on that show, but it was, hey, I suddenly have free time that I can then do my own podcast. What do I want to do? And it took me a while to figure it out, but I kept coming down to wanting to talk to people about how they were doing the work that they were doing. How were they figuring out, you know, balancing (laughs) work and life and, you know, all the different productivity things. And I was just not seeing the word productivity in my head. I was seeing self-management. I realized that it was, it was productivity but that it was beyond the to-do list. And I literally had that phrase come up in my mind. And I was like, well, there's the title. Boom. So that's, I think that's what I love about your show because it's, you know, I think a lot of times people think about productivity as all these hacks, you know, like technology is going to save me and it all has its place. Don't get me wrong. But I often tell people like my goal, my goal and work is I don't want to be ruled by a to-do list. I want to figure out everything that I need to do and turn it into a habit. Yes. I feel like that is true productivity. Yes. Yeah. To, to convert those things into muscle memory, the things that are so important, you don't want to have to keep thinking about them kind of in that, you know, black turtleneck, Steve Jobs kind of a way. Yeah. I mean, like I'm always talking like the, the chronic mistake, people who work for themselves for the first time, they don't reach out enough. They don't talk to enough people. And I'm not, you know, they, they obsess over like getting more social media followers. And I'm like, no, you got to have real connections with real people, like conversations. Like, I feel like I'm at a stage now with you of like, I have a legit question. I can call you up. Like, I, I you like, and, and you're going to respond. I think you would do that for anybody anyway, because yep. that's kind of guy you are. I try. <laughs> but I, I, I think that's a, one, a great example. I think a lot of times people, when they're building their business, they look at outreach as a to-do list item. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You got to figure out how to integrate it in a way that makes sense for you and how you like to reach out. And you got to be doing that on a daily basis. Yeah. That's and, business. And, well, and there you go. Because then as work changes, it becomes more of a to-do list item because you're alone, <laughs> you know, if you're remote working, if you're home or if you're at a coffee shop or a co-working space, you're in this mindset of it's me and I'm in this and I'm in this by myself because I'm the only person I see, you know, day in and day out when it comes to that. So we've got to kind of counteract that with having those digital face-to-faces, you know? Yeah, well, it's like getting back to being human, right? I think kind of traditional employment as we know it, its current iteration uh, kind of screwed up our sense of relationships and and building that into our daily lives. Because when you think about it, I think the steady paycheck and all that other stuff about traditional employment. But you know what, Eric? I think people are afraid to work for themselves because they think they're going to have to do it all by themselves, which I tell people then you're doing it wrong. <laughs> you know, just self-employment doesn't mean solo employment. It doesn't have to be that way. And humans are evolved to work together and help each other. And I think traditional employment, it's kind of, it's been prefabricated. Like we buy into that. I think that's what's so attractive. It's kind of like we get a job and the community is kind of built in, except I like to tell people, I'm like, now everybody I interact with, truly, I love interacting with them. When I was, I had a lot of great employment experiences, but there was always people that I didn't quite align with. We didn't have the same work ethic or shared values, or they were just plain old dead weight. And all of that has been ripped out of my work life. Now I have to put up with that anymore. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and again, that is kind of the thing I had to wrestle with. I was in a, I was in an organization for, let's see here, probably about 15 plus years. And then now for the last four, I've been a remote worker. And I got to tell you, like, there's never been as big a shell shock or a shift in my thinking that continues to shift. By the way, I still feel like you know, on a month to month or even sometimes week to week basis, I have to rethink how it is I'm working remotely. But, is, but isn't it so cool? I, I often tell people, I mean, if you really want to know yourself, you got to like manage yourself or work for yourself. I mean, I cannot think of a better teacher about myself than being forced to own every minute of my day. Oh, see, and there, and yes, you're exactly right. And and here's the thing, like, as I was just telling you, like, that there was that major shift, uh, I realized, well, you, you know what, I'm not telling the whole story here, because 
there, there's another factor is that for the last four years, like I am actually not working for myself other. I mean, I do the sh- this show and that's my thing and that's completely separate. And I have to do that in the margins. Like there's, you know, uh, there, there's, I know, the, but I, you know I what see, I mean, but like, yeah, but I feel like it's this spectrum. Cause I also, it bugs me when like, sure. you know, the Silicon Valley entrepreneurs are hijacking. They're like, this is the specific definition of what an entrepreneur means. And I think there's a spectrum <laughs> of that. Yes. Technically you're a W2 employee, but I think of you as, uh, on the, uh, an entrepreneur and there's a wide spectrum of that. And because I think all work is going to look more like self-employment and less like traditional employment. Sure. And I totally agree with you. I think there's a line there. I think there's, and I think it's a dotted line and a blurry line even because again, what I was getting at was this, there's maybe this psychological difference of anxiousness that people feel about doing something for themselves, being their own boss, stepping out and being their own thing versus working for somebody else, whether that's remote or not. And kind of the difference between those two things, right? Yeah, I you know what I've come to realize I've deconstructed because where, where I'm at is I'm trying to get a larger population of people more comfortable with the idea of working for themselves, whereas there's a lot of people doing what I do and they just focus on the people who are naturally inclined to 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 work on their own because I was a reluctant entrepreneur. I, it, it chose me. I didn't choose it, right? I did it at pure economic necessity and then I fell in love with it. Mm. But there's four things going on when you're trying to work for yourself for the first time. Number one, there's the self-management piece because you haven't done that before. In the way that you and I have to now, there is the I have to validate an idea to say, like, or is this valuable in the market? Am I going to get paid to do this? Um, I have to set up the business, all the infrastructure of the business. And then finally, I have to get customers. And we try to do that all at once. And what I'm trying to now do is like start to separate that out where I'm focusing now on helping people better manage themselves first while they have their traditional employment job. So they because you can't it's very difficult. Some people can do all these four things at once. It is shell shock. But I think if we're going to get more people comfortable with this, we're going to have to start taking this in stages. And I often direct people to say, if you want to work for yourself, the first thing is you got to learn how to manage yourself. You got to learn about yourself. You have to assess yourself as a resource. See, and that's what I hope to be. That's what I hope this show to be is one of many resources like you, you're, like you're doing, like Mike Vardy's doing, mutual friend for both of us, uh, a number of other people out there that I could list off. We're trying to not just have our own business, but we're trying to be a service, to be of service, to be a resource in that way for people so that they can consider all these different things that fall under this umbrella of self-management because, again, it can knock you down pretty hard when you're not able to do that. And and, and again, it's like the more you understand, because I, I think a lot of times people are looking, tell me how to be productive. Tell me what to do. And I, I say, well, guess what? You can. Those are ideas. What's What makes me productive or you productive, Eric, could be different, right? And I want to help people understand you got to own just who you are. You have certain tendencies, you have certain abilities, certain habits. And I think a lot of times people want to fight against who they are. And I think the kind of self-management I want to teach people about is to assess who you are, what are your natural rhythms, and work with that because we're moving out of this 20th century capitalist model where there's this one-size-fits-all mentality that there's this one measure for success that there's one version of productivity there's infinite versions and you should do the one that works for you yeah because we aren't cogs in a cubicle not anymore (laughs) well and so that's what we were talking about pre uh recording and i think maybe we should take. i think we got a business idea here eric so so we've got a quick tangent here that we need to walk down and uh, i'm trying to think of how this i think it started by you were saying you know uh hey i hope my skype works because you were having issues and that and, and right there again that's one of the main issues not just skype communication in general but in the internet it is. It's almost the other thing. I'm actually going to this event tonight. It was a local government here as a future of work event, which I'm so excited because I don't I'm at this place. Maybe you are, too, that I look at the world in terms of if, if we have a majority workforce of solopreneurs or people who are self-employed, we don't have the infrastructure today to make that really happen. It's, it's there in bits and pieces. Like I was saying to you, 
there needs to be a co-working space within walking distance of most Americans' homes, or we need to figure out how to bring people together. We need new tools, new infrastructure, because I even think, you know, politicians kind of think about small businesses and small businesses will create jobs. But I'm 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 saying, well, now there's this new genre of person where we're, I'm trying to get people to create their own work, you know, because a lot of times, like I personally, I don't want to have employees. That's a whole other layer of bureaucracy that I do not want to spend my time dealing with, you know, and I'd rather use technology or I'd rather have virtual um, virtual help or or collaborate with people. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I was thinking of is it's less of a coworker mentality and more of a, a collaborative mentality. I would love to, for some of the things that I want to do in the future, be able to work with, uh, specifically one of my friends who I wouldn't look at him as being a, an employee of mine. I would look at him as being a partner of mine who's just doing a different role than what I'm doing. So, yes. and, and it's those kind of networking and partnership, you know, perspectives that we have to start shifting towards. So. Or we, 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 and then you got my brain going because it's, it's like you have a podcast set up. I have a podcast set up. And I was saying like, we're not in our forever place right now where we are in Northern Virginia. Yes. But I would love to have like a video set up. And then it kind of got my brain. Well, maybe there's other people in the area who would need this, but aren't ready to do or don't want to have a full time. I kind of would like to be able to share that. Like, I can't tell you how many entrepreneurs I've hosted on my couch over the last decade, you know, because that's who I am. Like, I know how hard this is in any way that I can help out a fellow entrepreneur, somebody starting out. I want to do it. And I think that's another interesting way of how we could be sharing resources. Yeah. And and so, us, us, I mean, ultimately, what we were kind of talking about was maybe a bootstrapped kind of co-working space because uh, I had had this idea where things shift for me. Like, I've got a, I've got a great setup. I've got solid Internet. Like, I, I mean, you know, I'm crossing my fingers here as I say this, but like. I don't have downtime when it comes to it. Like it just works. It's fast. It's for, for the price that it is, I'm getting a very fast speed and I'm very thankful for it. However, seasons change. And I forgot that when we moved into this house last year that I, we moved in right before the summer and I still kind of had a co-working space that I was uh, using for at least the summer. And I was using that because the kids were at home and, mm-hmm. and they were younger then. So they were kind of, you know, Get, my wife would take them somewhere and then she'd go do her work stuff, but they're older now. And it's like taking them somewhere to go get watched and paying for that is kind of like, really? We're doing that still? So especially when one of them is a teenager. So. Like, again, that would be another cool idea. Imagine if you have more of that collective of like you have. I, I get this all the time. I think there's a lot of people who, who want to work for themselves and they have young children and they might even be the breadwinner and they feel very held back. But what if you had that collective where maybe one day a week, you're the one who's watching all the kids. You kind of rotate while everybody can work instead yeah. of paying for daycare. Well, and even and, and depending upon the age of the kids, you could still get stuff done. Now, I'm yeah. not saying that's going to be a large amount of stuff, but like you could still have a laptop and you could still do admin stuff. That's like I got to do all these emails, things like that. But like, yeah, I mean, ultimately, the, the idea for me was I want to get out of the house. But I don't want to just go to a, cub, a public coffee shop because that's not conducive to some of the work that we're doing, specifically what we're doing right now, especially when it comes to podcasting, uh, because the quality wouldn't be there. But what I'd love to do is have a bedroom in a house somewhere that I can lock the door and two or three other of my friends who also want that same scenario, we all go and pitch in and we rent that house and – we stock the fridge, you know, we maybe put in a TV and a Blu-ray player for, you know, quote, break time. But we've all got this ability to go somewhere else other than our house, have our stuff set up, walk in, plop down the computer, plug in, you know, a quarter or two, and we're good to go. And it's safe and locked in and it's secure and, and all those kinds of things. And and our coworkers are friends, people we like, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I think that's the way. Yeah, I think that co-working culture is still very nascent because it's it's just it's too it's so expensive. I, I that's the frugal New Englander New Englander to me. I'm like, I, I don't want to spend 400 bucks on just having us like a hot desk. You know what I mean? I'm like, that's ridiculous. Uh, and I'd rather just continue to pay. It's kind of funny. My local coffee shop, it's like we have this emerging crew. We are, we are starting to get to know each other. We kind of joke that it's like, our co-working space and we just buy one drink. And so if I buy, like I'm getting a tea every day for like three bucks. So if I go every day, that's $15 a week. Right. Right. And $15 a week. So that's 60 bucks a month. And I'm always, so I think that's where like we need a greater range or 
I mean, you you have your eye on this. I mean, is there any type of sharing or app because there is all these quirky needs of people because this is is an emerging way of working yeah. where we could be sharing all this you know what i'm saying so i know that there's two things that come that come to mind when you ask that question number one is there's work from which is a site as well as a an ios and android app uh, i'm I familiar believe. with yeah, yeah i actually interviewed jewel but i haven't checked them out lately because i like that idea of like it's like me, like I'm going to go to a coffee shop and I can level up and actually get to know the people in the coffee shop. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and just the fact that like it's – I'm trying to think of – it's almost like Yelp for co-working spaces, really. And But more than that, it's like Yelp meets – uh, some of the better parts of LinkedIn included, I guess, where you can – you know, it, it, it rates the co-working space or that workspace, whether it's like – uh, you know, public Wi-Fi, private Wi-Fi, speed of the Wi-Fi, uh, food, how much public or private space there is, you know, hours of operation, who runs it, like all these different things. And it's and it's crowdsourced reviews of these places and information done by people who are out scouting for work from uh, whether they're working for it or they're uh, a member and it's free to be a member. I mean, you just you just sign up and create an account. Uh, and I've added some places actually myself and I've used it. Uh, when I've been down in Indianapolis, an hour south of me, uh, because it's like, you know what? I don't want to just go to the corner Starbucks because there's no consistency to knowing how <laughs> conducive that space is going to be to working. But work from is huge. So uh, I believe it's work from dot co. I actually. Hey. It is, yeah. Uh, I, I was looking down to see, am I wearing their T-shirt now? Because I do have one of their T-shirts. So. Hey, we, hey, Joel, we just gave you a nice commercial. Yeah, here, so there so. you go. Like, I, I, by <laughs> the, yeah, work from. If you'd love to sponsor, that's great. But like, I love. And we're, no, we're not getting any kickbacks there. No, Can this I? Is, and they're great people, but yeah. that, and, and I think they started it with that same vibe of what you and I are talking about today. Yeah, that so, there's this, there's. I feel like there's new emerging needs that are being unaddressed, and this can't just be a highly dense densely populated urban area thing too i really believe we need to bring this um to more parts of the country and we're gonna have to do it in different ways because you live in a part of the country where it might be so much more feasible to actually rent a house i am in a part of the country northern virginia where that is not a possibility it's just too expensive right yeah see so cost of living for me it's part of the perk of being in this small town uh you know three hours south of chicago or an, an hour north of indianapolis in indiana it's this idea that like Hey, you know what? Three or four of my friends could feasibly for a hundred, hundred twenty-five, maybe even you know, topping out at one hundred fifty, we could put in and have three, four bedrooms or so, and a nice living room, and it wouldn't be a uh, you know a rundown place, and we could make this work. I really think we could. So, to work from dot co, that's that's one option. There, I know there's this other option that I was just thinking of, and and even if it doesn't fully exist yet, I know that. Um, I was at a conference recently, I think in Nashville, where I heard of this. And here's the idea. It's essentially, it's like an Airbnb for workspaces where the podcast tech stuff, all, you know, the hardware is yeah. all set up. And so you can go in and you can, you can book your time, but it's for free. You go in and you do it for free. The only thing is that the people that own the space require you to give them about like 20 or 30% of whatever it is you make off of the thing you're doing there. So, Oh, interesting. Yeah. And that kind of opened my, yeah. Doesn't that kind of, you know, broaden your mind in terms of like what's possible. And I thought, yeah, that is interesting. I kind of like that. It's like a kind of a new, new class of investor, you know? Yeah. It's almost like a, it's almost like an incubator in a way. Yeah. I love that. I actually, there's another concept. I can't think of the name of it, but it's um, in New York city. There's a lot of restaurant space that is not used at different times, and they're trying to connect all of that as an alternative co-working space. I know there's one other idea out there. Uh, I haven't ever talked about it on the show, but it's called Breather. Um, oh, yeah. I'm familiar with Breather. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, they have that in uh, D.C. here, yeah, too. Yeah. So and I think this is a, a pretty um, – you know, uh, broad thing. I mean, basically how it works is you read it's, it's again, it's like Airbnb, but for singular working spaces. And, you know, you're, I mean, what you're talking about is you're, you're talking about maybe, you know, a hundred dollars for an hour for a New York city, like <laughs> wide open, like uh conference room place. That's like, uh, like a flat, you know, in other words, it's like a, it's a, it's a, like a loft apartment, but done up nicely as almost like office space, but not, 
you know, cubicle office space. It's done like an open air working kind of an office space. Yeah. So I, I, I just found one. It's called spacious access, oh, a curated okay. network of extraordinary workspaces. Cause that's the other quirky thing about me. Like I love working. I feel very inspired working in really different places. I got to work in the uh, courtyard of the, American Portrait Gallery. If you've never been there, it is super awesome. And I just love, or I loved when I was back in Boston, I loved going to the the public library that this beautiful courtyard, they actually have a Wi-Fi and there's two plugs if you can get there early enough. So you can work outside in this beautiful space. And, and I think that to me is also one of the huge benefits of being able to work the way that we do. Like, I don't want to be stuck in a traditional office. Like, that's why I do what I do. Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search, just match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch that busy work. Instead, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. I wish I had Indeed when I was in the hiring process in roles in the past because it is a slow, arduous headache of a process to find the right people or at least it used to be, join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to find and hire great talent fast. In fact, in the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash to-do list. Just go to Indeed.com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. You know, in my last co-working space, it was a locally owned one in, in Boston and Dorchester, kind of a developing neighborhood. And it was like I paid $185 a month. And I was like, I could deal deal with that. Once it starts getting north of 200 and you're just giving me a desk, I mean, I might as well just go to a coffee shop. Come on. You got to like, you got to do something. I And it's hard. I think we're, I think the co-working where we are with co-working, we're still thinking of it in terms of traditional real estate because it's, you know, like WeWork just leases most of those buildings as, as I understand it. So that's what they're trying to monetize. And I think what you and I are talking about is there's going to be a whole new emerging opportunity to go down market a little bit and be more creative about it. Yeah, I totally agree. So I, I, I'm still kind of kicking around my idea. Uh, again, I don't know. One of the things for me is, again, spacious and breather. Uh, they don't have anything anywhere near me those are big big city ones like i look up indianapolis and that's the thing we were talking about like we gotta we gotta bring in we gotta think of concepts um you know for other parts of the country it can't again it can't be this privileged urban thing i I totally that bugs me yeah and we're talking about like when you look at this ecosystem working for yourself we're talking about the space right but then there's the meeting of people there is like the stuff like if i'm thinking about experimenting with something but i don't want to invest in the hardware you know how can i you know use that or i i just uh had to hire a photographer for a workshop that i'm doing because i needed some new photos for my website i you know I, i'm a very if you didn't get this by now folks uh, i'm very extroverted I, I don't have a problem meeting people um but i the people that i work with for some strange reason eric i attract introverts into my community <laughs> Which I love. Well, they, uh, they I, I would assume it's that they are somehow sensing a an, an amount of leadership from you in that way, I guess. You know, it's like, hey, this guy. And, and I mean, that really is how it works. Like, although don't get me wrong, like I've got introverted friends like crazy. And we all are just like, it, I mean, to get us all to make a decision, it's like <laughs> pulling teeth. It's like, we don't want to offend each other. But like, that's why. So that's why the opposite would work, where it's like, if I'm an introvert and you're an extrovert, and I'm like, Stephen wants, Stephen thinks we should do this. I'm totally cool. Let's go with what Stephen says, you know? 
He made the decision. We're all I did good not here. think of it that way. That's, That's exactly probably how it's working. But anyway, because also I, I kind of get my introvert on because it's a spectrum. You know, you're not sure. in either or because I also a big part of what I do is like I think there's a lot of people again who do what I do and they're like you got to I did it this way you got to do this way and that's how it's done and I don't like that because I it's just cut kind of, it's back to how. Uh, where we have this opportunity to really rethink work, not just about getting people to work for themselves. And I don't, I want to help people again, understand how they work. You know, the answer, I know this sounds cheesy, but the answer truly does lie within yourself. We are moving into a, a, this era where I can't tell people exactly what they need to do. I can give them a lot of ideas. I can give them strategies. I can give them experiments. I can give them that supportive environment while they're trying to figure this out. That's what I'm trying to provide. I just, it really bugs me when people, you know, I I had a lot of success in my last business, you know, and I can share that success, but you can't do it exactly how I did it because it was different circumstances, different resources, different abilities. And that's what people really need to start understanding. And it just, it just irks me when there's people making so much money out there saying, if you can only just be like me, and then people buy into that. Mm. And and that's exactly the reason why kind of having a portfolio like I'm doing here with this show is beneficial because you can hear all these different people yes. talk about these essential things, but in different ways that work differently for, for different people. So. You're doing an amazing job. Well, thank you. I mean, that's the point. That's what I really like what you do. And I like who you are because that's what it's all about. That's the future of work is like, which is so cool. It's that we traditional employment didn't encourage us to get to know ourselves or figure out how we like to work. And I actually just did a recent experiment. I actually applied for a job. I did a resume cover. I haven't done that in 15 years. Just to see what people feel like. like. What are people right now in 2018 going through? Oh, wow. And I came away with that experience being like, wow. You're allowed to negotiate your salary, even like your time, but you're not allowed to bring up how you like to work. Mm. You are, it's assumed, it's implied that you have to submit completely 100% to the culture of that company. And that's the way it is. I disagree with that. I think that's the next worker revolution. We should be able to understand what makes us uniquely productive, be able to talk about it. And I'm not saying that you're going to be so inflexible that saying I have to like have a black tea at four or five every afternoon. Otherwise I just can't be productive. I'm not saying get that, but, but having a more open conversation, you know, like I, I'm most productive, like doing my best work from seven in the morning to 11 in the morning. And I, t- I could never stay into an off- in, in an office past three o'clock because I'm pretty tapped out. I could do social things, but in terms of doing real work, I, I've kind of it's early morning for me. And the nine to five lifestyle or where we are currently still with work is that it, it doesn't really align with my abilities, my needs, and my values. Yeah, I mean that's I mean, th- there's so many different ways, and we've talked about this in different you know different directions on this show before. But this idea of having different times of day that are peak performance for different types of work and just when's your peak performance period that's a great question i think that for me it's around this time of day for me right now it's uh it's about 10 o'clock and and so unfortunately you know <laughs> between in the, the late, morning by the yeah, way it's it's uh, <laughs> yeah when i'm you know it, it's not first thing in the morning it's not first thing i that's what i've learned is that over time especially working from home i have realized that i am good at warming up during the first time of the morning and kind of passively doing some stuff. That's a great point in time for me to go work out and listen to a podcast, something that's more passive and still get an active thing of, of, you know, getting the workout done, but then getting back, getting cleaned up, you know, having breakfast, but then sitting down and having coffee and then getting some stuff, major stuff moved and doing the bulk of the stuff I have to do then. But later in the day, it's like, you know, as the day wanes, it's just like, I don't want to do anymore or I'm not as effective as more what I should be saying. So, yeah. And it's also it's just like I was always a very motivated, efficient person. I just know how to get stuff done. Oh, that's just part of my personality. And I remember being in offices like, again, I'd be like all done with my work by three o'clock. But it's like, oh, well, you have nothing to do. Let's give you more. And I again, I just right. because Ugh. it's this idea that you're valued that only valued by being seen in an office like we're so out of whack or i mean that's a 
you know, if, if, if we could redesign work in such a way, companies could really unlock not only just the personal productivity of somebody, but you're incentivizing them to find other more effective ways to get it done. And if they get it done faster, they get to go home earlier. That's part of the reward they're, they're going to keep doing. It. You don't just keep lopping them on like they're on a chain gang. Like, here's some more rocks to go break up. Yeah, here's here's more, you know, uh, widgets to crank that you're not going to get paid any more to do. What kind of an incentive is that? But you're here for another three hours. Right. You're you're not allowed to leave until six o'clock. I've been in that position. And what I did, unfortunately, was, and and I'm ashamed yet not ashamed. I kind of brag yet regret having done it this way. But I would literally, I would go into my office and it was about an eight to nine thirty, maybe 10 o'clock a day where I got, I really got all my work done for the day. And then I had, you know, then a chunk of a large chunk of time before lunch. And then a, you know, I'd get back from lunch and I had to, I'd do, uh, you know, a check in on everything, email, phone, whatever. And then I'd have another large check chunk until the end of the day. And at the end of the day, I would do, you know, a quick like tidy things up, you know, email, you know, like just close everything out, close everything down for the next day, hand the baton off to myself for tomorrow. And but in those large chunks of time, I mean, I swear I was in the morning and in the afternoon collectively five days a week, like to- in total, I was playing video games on my computer and I was in a, <laughs> I was in a, a cubicle that was, you had to walk all the way down the hallway to get to mine and then come around and I could see and hear you coming before you ever got halfway through. <laughs> so I could easily hit pause and turn it off and whatever, but like, and, and, and here's the clinker. I was outperforming everybody else also. So, but, uh, but also then I'm also thinking, listening to you, it's like you didn't get to be your fullest self. You, you, you were able to do this activity. You like playing video games. It's fine. But I, I'm sure there's other things that you might have wanted to do. Like I love working for myself because I can like throw a load of laundry in. Or if I'm like, you know what? I'm feeling stuck. I'm going for a walk or I, I'm going to call somebody. I have these this other freedom. So I almost feel like, I'm living more intentionally every moment of the day in a way that an office environment didn't permit me to do. No. And, and, and ideally, and here's the regret. Like I, I brag about it because I got uber productive and had all that extra time. But then I have the regret because I did not make the best use of that time. Although probably part of it was I was working so hard that helped me deal with the stress of it. But uh, I should have been sitting there and reading and writing and you know, basically consuming and creating, moving my, you know, my mind and my goals forward. And I wasn't. Can I talk about social media? Sure. Because I've also noticed this. I just want to run this bio because you're, you're the guy, man, right? I'm a guy. I'm not the guy. You're like one of the social media guys. (laughs) Sure. So I have found, I don't know if you ever noticed, like, I feel like the people who are most active in my social media network beyond just like, this is what they do for a living are people who work in offices because it's this welcome distraction. They don't want to do the work. They want to like, kind of like burn some time. They want to check out what their friends are doing on. They kind of want to think about what they're doing after work. And I'll be honest with you, Eric. I just don't have that kind of time to spend that level on social media because I'm doing what I want to do every moment of my life. Mm, yeah. Any thoughts on that? No, I, I agree. I, I mean, I think that there is a balance there. I mean, again, you have all this quote free time or people would perceive as free time to be able to do more with social. If you wanted to, uh, I am somebody who doesn't post a lot on social either, but that's partly because I'm working in social all the time. Yeah, so I right. also have this like, Oh, I don't want to do too much uh, personally because I'm already doing so much professionally with it and, and not just for myself. So, uh, but I'm also of the person who's like, I don't, I'm, I'm not, it's part of my introvert ness uh, is I try to leverage the social uh, in kind of like an Iron Man suit way where it's like, Hey, I put it on and I use the technology and then I, and then I'm still me when I get out of it. But, yeah. uh, but I'm also just not a person who's going to post like a picture of boom goals done. I win blah, blah, hashtag, whatever, you know, <laughs> after I do something every time, because one, I'm just not that creative and I don't care to be braggy about it. But two, like, I just don't think I care when other people do that. So I don't care for me to do it either, you know? It also, as long as we're getting a little, one little more pet peeve in social media, (laughs) also bugs me that I see this happening too much now. 
it really bugs me that people are calling themselves influencers when I feel they haven't really earned the right to do that yet. It just seems really weird. I immediately don't trust that person. Oh, see, it's, it's again that for my, my take on that is it's just like other titles of guru or uh, I'm trying to think of what the other ones are, like expert even, especially. Or even uh, like calling and, yourself a leader. And, like yeah, other, even, other people get to call you leader. I, you don't get to call yourself a leader. <laughs> I, I think uh, – yes, exactly. I, I, I think there's an inherent uh, similarity between all those different titles, if some of them even are titles, um, where you should not be claiming that title necessarily. It's that you are bestowed that title by other people. And even then, when you're bestowed it, you don't call yourself that other than I think maybe the, the, the exception being leader. Because I think if enough people are calling you a leader and literally they are, um, being led by you literally in a team or something, then I think you probably should frame yourself internally as leader so you take it seriously and even then that doesn't mean like you're the puppet master it just means you're uh you're the person in charge you're the the steward of those people and you want to do right by them and make sure they succeed so uh eric you are a leader in productivity you've earned it <laughs> and that's the thing that bugs me too is i i've written a blog post because the flip side of this call yourself whatever the heck you want to call sure. yourself seriously that's that's the beauty of where we're going I just want you to back it up. I just think a lot of times people are trying to claim this mantle without putting the work and the effort and the commitment. And it takes a while. It's not you're not going to be a leader in three months. It takes years. Mm, yeah. Well, and so even a real leader is honestly somebody who's going to be um, progressively getting better at self-management, though. And right? isn't worried about being called a leader. <laughs> Right, right. They're not worried about what they're being called. They're worried about getting the work done and making sure it's quality work. All right, I digress. Thank you for permitting me to share a couple of those pet peeves. I feel you like you were the right person to share that with. I think so, so too. I think my pet peeves kind of overlap in in a way. So, yeah. Well, sometimes it's just helpful. It's a great conversation to just just to have because uh, I think there's a lot of that talk about are you an entrepreneur or not an entrepreneur? And I think a lot of times people are throwing that label onto themselves. It took me actually five years to accept that I was working for myself. I didn't even call myself an entrepreneur for the first five years of working for myself because I always thought I'd go back and get a job until I'm like, I'm pretty good at this. I think this is my thing. This is how I work, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and I think sometimes now, uh, you know, it's just, it's really unfortunate. The internet is this blessing and a curse that people just, it's like this rampant immediate gratification and real life, real nature doesn't work that way. Things take time. Yeah. It's a balancing act. I mean, again, you use it for its benefits and then you step away and, you know, insulate yourself in um, proper ways from the negative side effects of using that technology. So a little hack. And I usually I don't, don't like saying hack, but uh, because a lot of times people are going to learn something new for the first time. Right. But your brain is kind of like, what are the results? You know, because there's, we just feel that way. I'm going to expend this energy, this time, this effort. Like, I want to know something's going to happen. Like, that's, you know, I'm trying to get people to work for themselves. And that's, that's a big shift of, of effort and energy and your time, money. So I often now advise people to just do an experiment with a deadline. So that way your brain knows, like, it's going to end. But at least it gets you to commit to it long enough to push through the learning curve or hopefully through the learning curve so you can then reassess, what did I learn? Do I want to keep going here or not? Because I think a lot of times people are just giving up too quickly. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Going back and thinking about this from a turning your everyday decisions into habits kind of mode, uh, that's where that comes in is if this is important enough for me to want to stick with it long term and it's not one of those things where it's like, no, it's just for a season, then it makes sense to habitualize it. Absolutely. I mean, that, that's the thing. I think that's a good gut check for anybody listening to this right now. If, like, if you feel like you don't see yourself turning it into a habit that you're going to do day after day because as, as much fun as it is to work this way, as you know, it could be a grind. There's a lot of ups and downs just like with any form of work. If you can't turn it into a habit, I think that's a huge red flag that maybe it's not your thing. 
and I think that's something to really dig into. And you already have habits. Start really looking into yourself to saying, like, what do you naturally gravitate toward? What did you do naturally as a kid? What, what was the end, the essence, the tendency there? And look for ways to start finding ways to do that in work or working towards solving a problem or serving a group of people. And, and that's what I tell people. That's that's how you find your opportunity, I think. Yeah. And and then obviously there's also the additional help there where maybe it's not you being habitualized to it, but it's setting up some sort of automation exterior from yourself to help manage yourself. Absolutely. And, and if you need that, um, I'm a weirdo because I – it takes me all I have a huge threshold to adopt a new technology in my life. I, you know, I love technology. I mean, it's helped me run all my businesses. And I think that's a whole other conversation about how the positive side of automation is making individuals wealthier than ever before if you want to, you know, go down that road. So I actually use Excel spreadsheets for almost every aspect of my business. I know I just got a lot of gasps. People are horrified to hear me say that. But think about it. This is such a, a flexible piece of software that I can use for ideas and sorting and managing contacts and accounting. I mean, I do have accounting software now. Don't, you know, settle down, folks. But I but I it's I I'm also tired of having to log into another thing. Or like right now, like with payment systems, you know, there's so many different people are like, can you join this one so I can pay you and this one and that one? Or All right. This epidemic of collaborative software. I, I like Slack. That's the one I'm happy to using. But then there's Asana and there's Basecamp and there's so many other ones. And then when you're starting to work with it, it's kind of all this, all the stuff that's supposed to make things easier just start becoming more of a distraction for me. So that's where I always go back to you, Stephen, you can be productive without technology. All starts with your habits. And that's how I reorient myself. I like that you're saying that because, again, it isn't about the tools. The tools can be helpful, but it isn't about the tools themselves. It's about you and you basically deciding what it is you need to do and then making sure that you have the right intervals for whatever it is you need to be doing that uh, on timeline-wise and having a system set up in place for that. Um, and, again, that system – when I say system, most people are like, oh, what, what tool do you use? No, it's not about a tool. Uh -huh. it's, about a, it's about an approach. It's about consistency. And, and what's, what's it going to take for you to be consistent? And I'm also, I first, I was like, I first do the habit, the freeway, right? And then I look for, all right, how can I make this more effective? I see myself doing this habit or I see this very basic thing I'm doing over and over again. Is there a tool that can take that over for me now and save me time and energy? That's how I integrate tools into my, I don't integrate tools into my, just because everybody else is out there is using it or they say it's like the coolest thing since sliced bread. I'm doing it because it's based and root, rooted in my habits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and so all of the stuff that we're talking about, it, it really comes down to these are the kinds of things you have to start thinking about for yourself personally, self-management wise when it comes to your work. Well, not just your work, but your whole life. Uh, again, that's why it's kind of called beyond the to-do list. Because again, it's, it's about not just the way work itself is shifting and already is shifting and is continuing to shift and the rate of shifting is going to increase as we go. But like, oh gosh. All of in ways things. that we can't even fathom. I mean, yeah. that's what that's where I kind of almost get a little scared. And I'm not I don't use that word lightly sure. because I think it takes time to do what you and I are doing. It, this is not something like you just show up and you're going to like have this all figured out in like less than a day. It's an evolution and it kind of never ends. You know, you're always I think you're always learning about yourself. I think we both made that point, you know, and I just want to leave people on a note of saying you can manage yourself. It's just that. You were never taught to how to learn about yourself and how to manage yourself because we came out of an economy that kind of didn't want you to. You know, the 20th century industrial economy didn't really want people thinking for themselves. It was designed for you to do a specific task, to follow the directions, to submit to authority because that's how that economic system worked. That economic system is in sharp decline and now we're it's disintegrating into infinite niches and it's never been a better time to really own yourself be yourself because of the internet that we you can connect yourself with a community out there who wants your version of whatever it is that you can do i mean i interview all i'm sure you do too it like people come up with the quirkiest ideas i always tell people like i, I interview this woman who started a mermaid swimming school <laughs> 
10 locations in North America. And you, you know, you can, the, the idea, you know, the crazier, the better nowadays, you know? And, and I think that's, that's what we all have to start owning ourselves. I think we kind of give ourselves this pass, this excuse of like, Oh, I could never manage myself. It's almost, I, I interviewed, uh, Liz Ryan of the human workplace. And she says the traditional employment system infantilizes adults. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, did you just say that? And I'm like, I'm so excited that she said that. And like, you've given me permission. Cause I kind of wanted to always say that that's what it feels like. Like I can't take care of myself. I'm a fully autonomous adult. Come on. Gosh, that's funny. I, I really think again, this, these are the kinds of things again, that it doesn't matter if you're already working for yourself or you're already working from home, but working for somebody else, or you're in an office, a traditional office sense. Y you really need to be thinking about these things anyway, regardless, because most likely the position or the work that you're doing right now will not be the work that you're doing in a year to five years. In fact, I almost guarantee you that's true. And, and increasingly, it's happening in a lot of industries where companies don't want to hire people that need to be told what to do. They don't. They Because things are going to change so fast that they need to hire people who are creative, they're inquisitive, they're innovative, um, they try to get stuff done. And and again, there's it's not that you have to be the person in charge, but you have to be, at least in your area of expertise, willing to do some experiments and try to figure some stuff out because things are now just in a, a perpetual state of invention. It's not like... Ooh, we're going to have it figured out. We get to coast for a few years. That's gone. Steven, I would love to shoot people over to where you continue to go down this rabbit hole <laughs> in a good way, in a good way. Uh, about I, I, optimistic. I yeah. mean, it's a very, it's an awesome opportunity. People, yeah. I, I always like to tell people like, I never thought I could ever work this way. And if I can do it, you can do it. Yeah. And that's the thing is I think most people would be surprised to find out that they can, but they, de they do need to do some more self-assessment first. So uh, let's shoot them over to your site. Again, it's life skills that matter.com. And that's where you can find the site more about Steven. You can find his podcast, the blog, all the different, like what are some of the other things that, that you've got there that are going to help people? Well, as I would say, the first thing you should do, if you're thinking about working for yourself or you're kind of feeling stuck, you really got to get to know yourself. So I have a free 12-week self-assessment challenge. So like it helps you develop a self-awareness practice, which is the most important life skill. So I just uh, give you a, an exercise every Sunday to focus on one area of your life to like really dig into that. So you can go to lifeskillsatmatter.com slash challenge if you're interested in that. And then if you are interested in learning how to start becoming self-employed, I have a ton of free resources. You can go to lifeskillsatmatter.com slash Get started. Awesome. Stephen, it's been awesome talking with you uh, for everybody to hear, at least. Usually that's not the case when we talk, but uh, this is a cool uh, exception, and we'll definitely do it again soon. This was so much fun. I just love talking to you. I mean, I'm leaving this with even more questions and more topics I don't want to talk to you about now. I love that. <laughs> well, let's write those all down, and then we'll do a follow-up. Awesome. So as this conversation comes to a close, I hope that you got something out of this by sitting on as a fly on the wall at our coffee table, listening in on this conversation between Stephen and I, some of it educational, some of it hopefully entertaining. And I hope that you're inspired and moved to take stock of where you are and what it is you're doing and where it is you want to go and what it's going to take to get you there and head on over to lifeskillsthatmatter.com so that you can check out the stuff that Stephen has for you over there. It's really a great body of work, and it's definitely helpful when it comes to approaching this new way of working, this new modality, this new way of thinking about it, this new way of doing it, collaborating, all of the above. So again, head on over to Life Skills That Matter and check that out and let Stephen know I sent you. Also, I'd love to hear what you think about this episode by leaving a comment in the show notes, which you can find at beyondthetodolist.com slash 229. If you know somebody who needs to hear this episode and start to think about the content that was presented in this conversation, hit share while you're there at beyondthetodolist.com slash 229. Let that person know about this conversation. And thanks to you for listening. I really appreciate it. And I will see you next episode.